0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said we're going to get to this week's episode which is part two of our conversation with Ken Benjamins
1: so in that, in that regard maybe I can share some of my own theological views on like I'm Christian formed for a reason I, I'm not a Baptist I, I am Christian formed. Um, uh, not that I think that Baptists have good things to say; they do, but we have our own unique distinctives that are important to me. So, I, I use when when people ask me, "Okay, what is the Christian form church or what is the Reformed faith about?" I usually list about five different things. As so for us, it starts with the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign in salvation. If I'm a Christian, it's not first of all because I chose Him; it's because He chose me. Um, uh, he's sovereign over all of that, and. Um, um he's sovereign over politics uh the home education he's also sovereign over illness you know uh, if i get cancer it's not because well satan must have given given that to me which some christians would teach no i uh, even illness is part of god's sovereign control and that gives me comfort so the sovereignty of god is a is a powerful thing my god is so big so strong so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do um with that then the covenant the doctrine of the covenant I think our, uh, our theology of the covenant is so rich. Uh, you know, with the evangelicals, I, I agree that we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but, um, but it's, but it, what our relationship that we have with, with Christ is not just a, a friendship relationship. No, we're actually married. God makes vows to us. Uh, oh, he makes promises under oath. That's marriage language, which makes my relationship with God so much richer and so much deeper. And then to think that this carries on to the generations. Um, so the whole yeah i baptize my children understanding that they're they're part of this covenant now too that's such a beautiful doctrine it's, it, it's what ties scriptures together doctrine of creation as i said before i think uh if we if we all that god has given us is good all is fallen but in christ all things are reconciled to him so uh, we have a high view of creation and we can enjoy everything in the creation including sexuality some people mm-hmm. think oh you can't talk about sex because that's a that's a taboo subject or a bad subject or a sinful subject. No, no, no. God made sex. <laughs> so let's exactly. celebrate that. Let's talk about that and how do we how do we fix these things so that it's for God's glory. Yeah. Um and then uh, uh yeah, sovereignty of God, covenant creation, history. I think we have a particular view of history. We have one story of salvation. So the old leading into the new. The Old Testament Israel uh, is is the Church of God in its infancy stage. We're now we're in the adult stage, and we have the Spirit. Um, so uh, so there's dispensationalism. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for uh, God. The coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. It's all one story. That all leads to that, and we just preach that, brother. We just preach that. Mm-hmm. And last of all, I think we have a peculiar doctrine of the church. We are not just a a group of people that gather together. Uh, No, we have an institutional view of the church. We have offices, and those offices are are important, and there are means of grace, the preaching of the word and the sacraments, and also church discipline. This is what keeps, uh, this is what holds us together uh, and maintains some kind of integrity. Um, So those are are the things that I celebrate as a Reformed Christian. Sovereignty of God, Covenant, Creation, History, and and a Solid Doctrine of the Church. This is, I think, is what's distinctive and unique about us, and I love it
0: all. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and that one, uh, as I was kind of wrestling, because I didn't fully grow up in the Christian Reformed Church, so I came to faith in a non-denominational Baptist church, and and came into the Christian Reformed Church when I was fifteen, and uh, st- you know started kind of wrestling through what I believed about things, and one of the big things that really uh, just cemented my understanding of god's word as uh, from this reformed perspective is what you said that that one storyline yeah is that uh when i was uh in more of a baptistic view i felt like the old testament yep i I didn't know what to do with it right it's kind of like okay well that's helpful but that's back there and it really doesn't now i know this is probably unfair but this is how i saw it Yep. That's just back then, that has nothing to do. Now we're in the new covenant. That was the old, covenant. We're, we're done. Yep. And, uh, and I wrestled through that, like, well, that doesn't make much sense to me. <laughs> yep. 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 And, uh, as I studied the Reformed faith and came to, I'm like, oh, it makes so much more sense that God's telling this story and they're, they're yep. connected. And, and yep. God's got this, th- these through lines. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that, like, that, that just, makes so much more sense to me on how God's it all it's all connected yeah and then yeah. once I came to that place the whole bible just opened up to me right in a whole different way and uh yeah it was really powerful for me so yeah, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. The ones.
1: yeah so every I said well, I say many times my own preaching every major principle at work in the old testament is only affirmed or made richer the new so the idea of king, kingship, or whatever. Well, we don't have kings in the New Testament. Yes, we do. Christ is our king.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we don't have circumcision anymore. Well, yes, we do. We are circumcised now in baptism. know, yeah. we don't. Have, we don't have Passover anymore. Well, yes, we do. We have Lord's Supper, which is a fulfillment of all of those Old Testament uh, sacrifices and rituals and things. And uh, yeah, temple. We are the new temple. Can- canaan well we are entering the new canaan the kingdom of god in jesus christ and it's coming uh, actually i did a series uh, a couple years ago in the book of revelation i um i had preached well i preached many times in revelation but i i only picked those little passages that i kind of knew what to do with <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then i realized i'm at an age now where i have to grow up and kind of really study revelation so i did i did for my own personal devotions i took a year i think or more just to kind of slowly make my way through revelation and once i was done all of that i finally said yeah i'm gonna turn this into a preaching series so i, mm-hmm. I preached on revelation and then you see how what revelation did for me is open up the whole bible yep. and you see how the whole bible is actually told in the book of revelation and you can see the whole thing unfold it's beautiful it's really cool. beautiful.
0: yep i uh so i had that a while ago i decided so i preached a series through revelation as well i didn't do can't remember how many sermons i did it in but i had to take some big chunks you know but i had to hit all the main the main themes but it was probably about 15 years ago where i was like all right i need to i was getting really heavily influenced by this kind of dispensational theology right that's just kind of where that's the water of most of the united states and uh and actually, somebody told me, this is how I got into Herman Hoeksema. Oh. They said, you know, the best commentary I've ever read on Revelation is Herman Hoeksema. He has 52 ah. sermons through the book of Revelation and a book called Behold He Cometh. Yes, yes, and, yes. It's good. And it's so actually I, very good. It's very good. Yeah. And yeah. so I bought it and I started going through Revelation and I'm like, this is the most devotional reading I've had in a yeah. long time because it opened my eyes to just see... Reality and yeah. uh, and so yes, yeah, so I preached through that with my church, and that yeah, was really good. And but I've I've just fallen in love with Revelation actually because it just mm-hmm. helps kind of reshape the world around me, right? Yeah. And so yeah. for me, I've told people I used to always think, "Well, why read Revelation? It's about some time in the future." And now yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. "It's actually." reorienting you to what's happening now right now yes there's this battle between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of satan Uh, the 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 serpent is attacking now we've got yes now and yes uh, it really kind of brings to life reality in a different way right now and so yeah i recommend herman hookzma's uh work on that i mean there's a few points in there where i i don't agree with but that's but even important. even
1: the even the form would agree with that. So um, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but overall,
1: it's it's a pretty good book. And actually, it's interesting um, well, because I've I've done a lot of research on Huxim and I know pretty much who he is. <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> um, he's my theological hobby. But I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I do believe that Hoeksma preached his series on Revelation right around the times of World Wars. So, yes. um, so that, you know, the world is in turmoil. So what's going to get us through? Well, it's something like the book of revelation. So, um, yeah, wow. yeah, I thought that kind of cool.
0: Yeah. That's cool. I mm. didn't know exactly the time frame, but you can just get the flavor of it. When you're reading yep. hits, you can tell that there's war going on. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Cool. Amen. Cool. Amen. <laughs> well, what, uh, I'd be curious, Ken, um, I want to, I want to touch on some just synod stuff because, um, you know, Synod 2022, you played a pretty significant role in, you were a reporter and I think you were reported for, uh, was it advisor committee too? Uh,
1: yeah, that's, and, yeah. Well, I don't remember committee what two. number it
0: was, but it was, yeah. uh, overseeing kind of discipline of Neiland, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot of that work, it's kind of interesting that you and I are talking cause a lot of your work ended up coming now. It got appealed yep. and was brought yep. to my committee. Yeah. Um, at synod 2023 and so yeah i'd love to hear just some of your thoughts on um yeah what happened in 2022 and how that's kind of rolled into 2023 and then maybe uh thoughts going forward to 2024
1: sure. uh, okay um we had
0: uh back in 2022 a lot of
1: material for our committee uh, too much uh really i yeah. mean um, those poor people had to put all these different overtures somewhere. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We how many
1: overtures did you guys have? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know, but they're but it's not only the only number, but it's, they're all different topics. So you're yeah, dealing with different like 10 requests. different topics. So it's kind of like it's impossible to do with all of these topics. So we quickly delegated some to <laughs> to, to yep. other groups and um and, and they dealt with them, I thought, fairly. So but uh, what was unique is that so uh oh what was the chair of my committee? Um Josh, Josh Josh Van Drunen. Yeah, yeah, Josh Van Drunen. Yeah. So I, I don't know Josh, and he didn't know me, and uh, but we agreed that as a reporter and he is chair, we had to converse probably before Senate even began to make sure you just get to know each other because we're going to work together. We got to know a little bit where we come. But we didn't want to dialogue about the issues per se. We didn't want to know. I didn't need to know what his opinion was on this or that or the other thing. But we had to agree on the. the format of how we're going to go through all these things so we did a lot of dialogue that way and uh so by the time we actually got to senate and i met him for the first time hi i'm ken oh i am josh we um uh we we kind of agreed about how we were going to handle this and tackle it Mm -hmm. and as we as time went on i I started to realize okay i think we're pretty much on the same page theologically too which is kind of nice (laughs) yeah and then in our committee Uh, Yeah, we allowed a lot of good dialogue to at least I thought we did Um, good dialogue to happen so we could find as much unity as possible, and uh, so that that we were able to come up with a unified report with recommendations. I think was a shock to us all. Yeah, before before twenty two, we didn't. I didn't believe that was remotely possible.
0: So, uh,
1: um, which also I remember remember when that
0: unified report came out at twenty twenty two, I was shocked. I thought, oh, there's for sure going to be a yeah. minority report, so.
1: Yeah, I was quite prepared to write a minority report. Uh, I But uh, no, we, we pulled it off. And um, yeah. I and, mean, and to, to
0: just p- say the through line on that, uh, Mike, from my committee too, all yeah. of the recommendations coming out of committee eight in 2023 regarding Neeland Avenue, that was all unanimous um, from our yeah. committee as well. And so there, there is a pretty solid understanding that, that what Neelan did in particular was, was a breaking of covenant and was out of line.
1: Yes. So we had people in our committee who might've had different views on the HSR um, and about same sex marriage, but, but still agreed with the committee about that Neelan Avenue had, had broken covenant. So irregardless of regardless of what your view is on same sex marriage, but Neelan Avenue broke protocol and broke covenant. Mm-hmm. And we agreed on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was our job to, we also would struggle with, because there was another committee dealing actually with the HSR and in our committee was dealing with and Avenue. We thought, yep. uh, don't we need to be in dialogue with each other? We kind of agreed. Okay. Well, we kind of need to be in dialogue, but yet at the end of the day, there are two different issues. Yep. So HSR is HSR. We're dealing with church order matters and how do we keep covenant? So, okay, let's focus on that. And that's what we did.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we have the same thing this year too, right? Because we're dealing with gravamen, and and uh, gravamen is very closely connected with some of the the other sexuality stuff, and and I had to keep reminding our committee, nope, nope, we're talking about church order. That's the committee we are. We have to read yeah. church order and interpret church order and make sure we're seeing that rightly. It has nothing to do with committee seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and. Uh, encouraged by Synod 2022. And at the end of the day, I was encouraged also with 23. I, I was, I think like most people, when Synod was over that day, I wasn't at Synod. Uh, I was an observer on just for two days at Synod this past year, but I went home on that Wednesday night and he knew you had to finish off your stuff on that Thursday. And I went home thinking, there is no way on this planet that they're going to get all that stuff done. I don't know what they're going to do. And then when I kind of watched it online when I got home, I'm thinking, oh, this is not good, this is not good, and this is not good. But now, I look back, I see some silver linings and things, and the Lord has, uh, well, the Lord has a sense of humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the story is, is not over yet.
0: Yeah. No, it's not. But I, yeah, I'm the same way, and I actually see um, I think, I hope I'm not just being overly optimistic, but I see there being some benefit in the work that we didn't get done, having another yep. year to percolate and to, yep. and to allow people to kind of work out some of their own understandings on their own. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious on your thoughts though, since you were on committee two that mm-hmm. kind of uh, brought the recommendations about an in local committee, right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I'd be curious on your thoughts on how that played out in 2023 on how the, the yeah. recommendations that came from that and local committee. And then, you know, our committee synod sustained, or, you know, we, we didn't sustain Nealon's appeal synod didn't sustain their appeal, but then, you know, they didn't vote to for a new and local committee or any kind of form of, of uh, disciplinary action for Nealon. Yeah. Um so yeah what are your thoughts is that kind of what your committee was envisioning yeah. was going to happen or
1: I I, w- I would say so so uh, I think at this point I can say I was disappointed that we did not maintain some kind of in local committee of some sort we can argue about how much authority or power you want to give to them although I think personally I think I see no difficulty in giving them more authority and more power and it's not an issue. I know this has brought, been brought up more than once about it being punitive. Um, I know the president of Senate said, no, I don't want to make that's just going to be a punitive measure. And no, it's don't 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 equate punitive with discipline. Um, they're not mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, but it's a mechanism to hold to bring us back to bring mm-hmm. us back together. And uh, I think an local committee would have been good to do that. I do think we need to do more thinking. And I know there are some people doing that about, um, our church order doesn't really address how broader assemblies do discipline on minor assemblies and stuff like that, or how much authority and power can you give to an in local committee? We do need to do, do more thinking about that. Um, and I would love to do more thinking about that myself too. Which brings us, yeah, these are issues that we've never really uh, nailed down in our past. So Herman Hooksman would have something to say about this. (laughs) Yeah. Because they were not pleased with this synodical authority that was given to Synod in 1924. But um, uh, I think in retrospect, or no, looking back at that history, I think uh, Synod has to be given some kind of authority to do what it needs to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah and i think in a lot of ways synod has that authority right and yeah. so um we just it it's very rarely had to use that level of authority yeah yeah um or if ever i guess uh the big the big wording that came out of the in local committee report was uh we're in unprecedented times, yes. unprecedented situations which is why we need to come up with some unprecedented actions um yep. either way um we can't just sit here not doing anything we have to take some kind of action and trust that the spirit's leading and that we're we're yep. uh, making a decision hoping for the best of the the future of the Christian reformed church and the kingdom yep. of god yeah yeah amen yeah and I think the principles of it
1: are there in the church order. You know, it, everything is, starts in the local church. Um, it, that's what do you call that. It's original re- yeah. authorities originally in the, in the local church. It is delegated to the broader assemblies. and But once it's a, a delegated there, then it is an authority. And so that's what article is that again about, you know, the same authority that the synod has over the classes as it has over the local church. So yeah. we do delegate a certain real authority over there. Which has to be disciplinary in some instances. I hate to use it that far, but sometimes it has to. We're getting to a point yeah. where we have to do something.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's part of what delegated authority is. The beauty is that it's delegated, right? That That's yeah. why it's so important that it's original in the local church because then they delegate it up. Yeah, yeah. It's not a synod picking who's going to be in classes. Right. Um, ah. and having a, or a synod isn't picking who's going to be... The, the people on your council, but the council is picking who's going to classes and classes, yeah. in it, right? Those delegated up, but it has that authority to the point of where, and, uh, you know, I would love to, um, uh, I'll just say in, in reading Bob DeMore's commentary, um, he has a line in his commentary there that says, When Synod speaks, as it's as if Christ speaks to it. Or no, yeah. it's as if Christ speaks. When Synod speaks, the church speaks. Yeah. And uh and because they've delegated their th- authority up to Synod. Yeah. And so yeah. it has that authority to speak for the churches. Yeah. Because the churches have sent their people to Synod.
1: Yep. Yeah. So yeah
0: there's a level of authority at synod that doesn't often get used and we don't want it to get abused, but there's a time when it has to be used.
1: Yeah. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, we're going to have to figure that out, um, over the next year. Cause I think synod 2024 will, um, I'm curious what the tone is going to be at 2024. What, yeah, what are thoughts um, And as you're seeing oh. the fallout, Well, you know,
1: something? I, I'm not sure I can answer that, but I mean, we'll say this too, that, uh, Synod has made some decisions and now, and, and some, we made some good decisions. And even around in I don't know what it's like in the states, but in Canada, you know, the, among the conservatives who kind of say, you know, Grand Rapids or Synod over there, they make these decisions and they got to make good decisions. So I think we made some good decisions. But what Synod also said is it's up to you local churches and lower broader assemblies to actually make it work. Yeah. So, so now I'm a church visitor in classes, Hamilton. It's my job. Somehow make it work. (laughs) Thanks, Senate. But uh, hey, that's how it works. We all have to work together here. It's nice for Senate to make some decisions, but still it has to be applied at the local level. And so we all have to work together to make it work.
0: Yeah, that's right. Amen. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why um, now it ended up that recommendation didn't end up getting to the floor. We ran out of time. But one of the reasons why our committee did not recommend a new study committee to figure out how broader assemblies could disaffiliate lower assemblies was uh, partly as we dug into church order more and more, we thought there are a lot of, I mean, there okay. that hasn't fully been done, but a lot of those procedures are there. We're just not using yep. them effectively. And church visitors are one of the main uh, things that um, they're just not functioning well. In the CRC right now, which is partly why we're in the situation we're at. I think I just talked to somebody from a class. They said they have no church visitors.
1: Yeah, you were saying that in your last podcast. I did listen to it this morning. um, uh, Yeah, that some classes don't have church visitors at all or church visiting. um, Yeah, I think in Canada we, we do church visiting. At least all the classes that I know of are doing that. Yeah, we are doing that. Yeah. And that's not good if we're not doing that. Yeah. 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 Now, mind you, church visitors only have so much authority as well. Um, At least in the way I've been doing church visiting, or at least it's understood in Ontario, you know, church visitors just don't come in there and just uh, declare all kinds of laws. We point out what the church order says and, you know, this is what our rules are. So you have to abide by these rules, but we don't, I don't know. Yeah, push our authority too hard.
0: <laughs> no, and that's true. They're, when they don't have, again, church visitors are more like, I don't even see the church visitors having the authority because classes would be the, yes. one the authority. Uh, and the visitors are kind of sent, not even on behalf of classes, but they're just checking in on churches. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's not yeah. always, you know, somebody at Synod had said, well, this is the weaponization of church visitors. And it's like, yeah. That's not what the goal is. The church visitors come in and check on the life and doctrine of the church yeah, and uh, see how they're doing and see how classes can support them. Sure. But, uh, but if the church visitors come in and they see things that are askew, they Mm -hmm. bring that back to classes and then classes has the authority and responsibility uh, to take some kind of action on that. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would hope that our church visiting gets uh, revitalized as a result of this. We start visiting churches, not just as some kind of witch hunt, as people have tried no. to use this, but that we're getting in these churches and asking, how are you doing? And how, what's the health of your church? And how can we yeah. support you as a classist? And, and uh, by the way, how are you guys doing doctrinally? Are you in line with this? How can we support you coming in line more fully with the doctrines of the Christian Reformed Church? that's how I understand
1: our job as church visitors, even for the HSR matters. Um Actually, we, we've had some conversation already uh, among us church, at least a few that are church visitors I've been in touch with. Um uh So we had kind of agreed with the few that I talked to so far is that our first question would be when it comes to uh, synod is what did you hear synod say? So it's kind of like, so what is your understanding of what synod did? Start with that <laughs> mm-hmm. because people might have, all kinds of misunderstandings or whatever, what Senate did. So, yeah. Even just getting, getting, make
0: sure we're on the table uh, on the right way. Start with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I even wonder, I'd have to go back, um, even talking about the role of church visitors, I wonder what role church visitors could play on this uh, topic of gravamen as well, because, you know, in our church order right now, uh, what it says about gravamen is if you file a, a confessional difficulty gravamen, you present it to your council. And then if the council can't handle it, then it goes to classes. Yeah. And what does that look like as a class? Yeah. You help? And I could see that being another role where a council goes, Hey, we can't, we don't have the tools or the equipment to help this person through this difficulty. Can the church visitors come in and help kind of walk us through this and, and provide some support that'd be a really relational way to kind of work yeah. through some of these uh difficulties. Now again, then it says if the classes can't handle it, then it goes up to synod and I don't know how yeah. you deal with confessional difficulty gravamen at synod, but um but uh but I could see church visitors at least on a classical level yeah. doing, being able to come in and help shepherd a congregation in its understanding of the doctrines of the church and that's a yeah. beautiful thing again.
1: Yeah, I I I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's, that's that's an asset that we have let's let's run with that yeah it's good yeah actually uh, in that regard I, lo- I love our polity i i've uh, you know when i was in seminary yeah, it's true i took henry moore's course and i and i thought it was important and but now that i've been a pastor for 25 well 20, 26 years i see how important our polity is and it's good to know your polity and Make it run for your for your uh, for your blessing. It's there for our for our blessing. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: The more I dive into it, uh, the more I dive into our church order, the more I see the wisdom. Yeah. In uh, its creation and just the way it handles things. Yeah. And uh, more and more, I keep, you know, I'll run into something and I'll go, man we're not functioning in line with this right now. We need to, and if we were things would be going so much smoother if we were yep, really yes. working in line with that. And, and the number of, uh, just pastoral implications that, that come along with that. Oh. I was talking to a guy on a, and, and this would maybe seem like a really weird thing, but you know, there's a lot of churches that are struggling in the, in the CRC. I was talking with a pastor of, um, who's, uh, functioning like an interim pastor of a church that's really struggling. They're down to maybe 20 people right now and trying to figure out, discern the future. And he had mentioned something about, well, they're struggling to even put together a council because they don't have very many people. And and I said, well, it sounds like you're not really, and from a church order standpoint, you're not really an organized congregation anymore because you can't put together a council. You probably should think about kind of going back to emerging status yeah. And said, well, it sounds like we're being demoted. And I'm like, but actually what happens when you go back to emerging status is that you come under the supervision and guidance of another council. And so then you have some leadership that's helping yeah. guide you as a congregation. Yeah, And I'm like, it's actually not like you're getting demoted and we're putting a babysitter over you, but you're you're just coming under the wing of another yeah. congregation who's going to help walk you through this process, who has some leadership and yep. some resources and i'm like it's actually a really pastoral thing even though for many it would be we're being demoted to emerging yep. status and yet i'm like it's one of those wisdom things as yep. church order that there's always this beautiful procedural stuff that people get annoyed with but there's a, a pastoral understanding behind all
1: absolutely of that. i i agree a hundred percent and it's it's to protect us all. So, you know, as you've heard of all these situations where these pastors and these big mega churches who have fallen, because I don't think they have the polity mechanisms in place to protect churches from this kind of behavior. And uh, not that, I mean, you can abuse our polity too, but it helps them at least when we work with our polity. We ha- had a situation before where there was a church that, um, well, they, they had some kind of guy become their leader. They didn't ordain him or anything, but he became their somehow quasi pastor, and then that person got into trouble, and so they called up the CIC and they said, "Hey, what are you going to do with this guy?" I said, "Is he ordained? No, but but he you know he did this, this, and this. Well, you know what? This is why we ordain people. We ordain people so ordain people so that we can hold them accountable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we can't hold anybody accountable who isn't." have any authority or power to do anything in the first place <laughs> right
0: yeah 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 it's a mess yeah that's a mess that's a mess. it is yeah and uh, i've seen that over and over and over again where for the expediency of trying to get something done yeah um, we make a decision and then all of a sudden now we're stuck because we um church orders there for a reason yeah. and uh and 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 I've even said, you know, there's this kind of a lot of talk recently about kind of the end of institutions and the and yeah. generation coming up that's kind of anti-institutional and and maybe denominations are going to go away or whatever. There's a lot of talk about that. Yeah. And I still yeah. think as I look at the landscape, um, I think the CRC has, polity has a setup institutionally different. Yes. And yes. that, and I think we're an institution that's designed to function well in an anti-institutional age where we can uh, yeah. Cap, uh, yeah we've got the tools and resources to keep yep. going to be a blessing.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yep, we we might have to do some more thinking. Uh, like I have some good Canadian reform friends over here and united reform friends in the future we're going to, have to rely more on these on these brothers these cousins of ours mm-hmm. <laughs> and our poly doesn't really supply much of a mechanism right now to work more but i think in our in the principles of our church orders we're all we all had the same church order of dort in principle anyways we need each other i, I hope in the future we can we can connect more because we're going to need each other as
0: we live in this more anti-church culture yeah, yeah, man. Well, Ken, we're coming right to the end here, and uh, I always kind of give everybody uh opportunity to kind of give some final words um, to our listeners. And I always say that we have a whole wide swath of people who listen uh, to our podcast. There's a lot of pastors listening, there's pastors from other denominations who are listening in, kind of curious what's happening in the Christian Reformed Church, but. We've got elders, deacons, and uh, my new saying is even soccer moms who are listening to, even some college students I know are listening (sighs) to the podcast. And so, uh, like, what are some of your final words you want to leave with them as we wrap this one up?
1: Okay, good, good. Uh, Let me think. Uh, Well, I, I, I love our denomination. Um, I I worry, I worry about it, but I love our heritage and everything else. And we've got so much good stuff. If if people would just look into their heritage a bit more and see what we've got. We got such a rich theology. Let's develop that What Develop it. Yeah. Develop it too, but run with it. Let's live it out. Our kingdom vision Our covenant theology. Let's not forget our, uh, the stuff we've learned in the past confessional integrity i think is a very important thing if we don't maintain I, I suppose it can be too legalistic but we are far from being too legalistic as far as i'm concerned oh and maybe in that regard too you know like i'm you and i are part of the abide project and um uh and and i i do that with you know with full confidence but some people might think that all we're all, all about is just one little issue about sexuality well yes yes and no I, I don't think sex sins are worse than any other sins, but somehow it is turned to a shibboleth in that we have people out there who say that, well, no, same-sex marriage is okay, and the Bible is okay with that. Well, kind of like, if you're going to put it that way, that's not true. So we got to get it right so that, um, uh, so that we don't mess up other things along the way, too. Uh, it's just a hint of other things that might go wrong and are going wrong. It all, like you said earlier, all our points of doctrine all kind of hang together. They all kind of work together. So, um, yeah, if we start f- playing fancy foot and fancy free with with something so basic as, as same sex marriage, then we, after a while we're going to start dealing with other things like the atonement and Trinity, as you mentioned earlier, too, um, all kind of things. But uh, yeah, confessional integrity. Let's run with our robust kingdom vision that we have that's why I'm Christian formed and uh, let's let's continue to preach the gospel oh, and and gather together meeting together I think is a good thing let's go to church let's hear the word the word's a good thing preaching of the word is what it's the word that's going to create
0: God's blessing make the kingdom come so let's keep doing that that's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. That way, you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to the Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for our conversation with Drew Huckema. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.